Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast, souping up the Homo sapien. Hello, and welcome to another Level Up Human Extra. This is our chance where we sort of delve a little bit deeper into the topics that we covered in the most recent episodes, and do a bit of a current science review of what we've seen and captured us. And, and actually, to be utterly frank, it's just a time that Rachel and I can check in that we've not gone full The Shining. All work and no play does make Jack a dull boy. How are you keeping? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yes, this is week what I've decided to call N of lockdown, where I'm in southwest London with three primary school children to homeschool, and it's very challenging. They don't want to go to school, and I don't want to teach them. <laughs> <laughs> I've given I've given up on that because, like, definitely, you know, you're seeing all sorts of things in social media and the media where people are acquiring all kinds of new skills and stuff. I'm going to leave all this knowing less, <laughs> and I'm just coming to terms with yes, that. Yes, nobody's taking into account the amount of brain cells that I've lost through being screamed at by a five-year-old over the last n weeks. So right now, you can see that we're both surviving, but we have to get into the news. So what's happening right now? And I, th- I think actually, I'd like to pick up kind of where we left off at the last level up human news, because sure enough, Elon Musk is back in the news. And and what you listeners do not know is that we last time we were recording Level Up Human Extra, we talked about Elon Musk and Rachel spent about three quarters of an hour telling me how dreamy he was, which he then cut out of the podcast. <laughs> it was it was ninety percent. You know, it was ninety percent swoon. You know that, that none of this is making it in, don't you? There's really we're all we're doing is exhaling into our microphones at the moment. None of this will make it in because I don't want any more Musk watch on the podcast. But Musk watch he's done something. He has done a tweet. So yesterday, in this case, that is the first of May. On the first of May, Elon Musk, boss of Tesla, wiped fourteen billion dollars. That's eleven billion pounds off the car maker's value after tweeting its share price was too high. I mean, that is the level of responsible tweeting that you expect from presidents, not weird capitalist forward thinkers or whatever they are. I think this is the thing which is going to make him lose the space race. Has anything in the news grabbed you, Rachel? Actually, something did grab me, and what I I got sent an email by a lovely magazine called Aeon Magazine, which talks about science and philosophy and all sorts of things. And I I really enjoy the writing that they do in there. 
and they linked to an article about how dogs can naturally detect changes in odorants in people with cancer. So dogs' sense of smell is 10,000 times better than ours, and dogs can pick up the changes that happen in human blood when that person has cancer naturally. And some companies are doing some research trying to create an electronic nose based on the dog's nose. And what they have to do is isolate which volatile organic compounds that the dogs are sniffing. What I was looking for was what the most recent news on this is, because this article was a few years old. And actually, I can't see what's going on in this field at the moment. There hasn't been anything in the news since last year. But I assume oh, well, you, work is there, ongoing. There has been. There's ongoing work using it to try and identify people who've got coronavirus, maybe even. Oh, really? So, so this technology is in use all the time. And sure enough, the one problem is that dogs are big and doggy and they take a long time to train and stuff. So a lot of the research has been trying to get things like bees to use it instead. So there's already bee kind of guns, effectively, where they, they measure bees putting out their tongues, for want of a better phrase, and crossing a laser line, breaking the pathway of that laser, and therefore telling if something's there or not, by making a bee associate nice, sweet, juicy, nectary, sugary solutions with certain smells. So I know that dogs are still kind of the pioneer stuff for this. In terms of finding like cancers and things that people might have, another really useful indicator that they've been studying for a long time is basically what makes your dog ill. So as we know, a lot of cancers and things are caused by like chemicals in your environment. If you discover that your dog has got bile cancer, for instance, then sometimes it's worthwhile seeing if the people in that household also have it. There is a correlation between those two things. Oh, really? Yeah, because like you're living in the same place, being exposed to similar chemicals. So... There is a correlation that if if a dog has like kidney failure, kidney, whatever, you know, whatever the disease might be, because they're living alongside that human and being exposed to those same chemicals, it might well be that that's an indicator for other health problems that might exist in the house. Right. My story might be a little bit more fluffy or more accurately kind of scaly. Just if, if you're feeling a bit isolated in lockdown and you want to have some friends and you're looking to Skype someone or Zoom someone, or whatever technology you'd like to use. There are some eels in Japan that want to see you. How do you mean want to see you? There are garden eels in a Tokyo aquarium, and they have got this thing where they kind of poke out from a hole and they look around, and if they see something there, then they'll retreat, you know, try and get away from any predators or stuff. And over time, because they've had so many visitors to the aquarium, they've become habituated to humans. They've got used to seeing the humans, and they no longer try and hide. But, as there hasn't been any visitors for a while, these eels are now really shy. And any time a human walks anywhere near their, uh, what's the word for it? I was about to say cage. That's wrong. Tank? Tank! Tank! Jeez! Yeah, I told you, I'm leaving lockdown knowing less. Okay, if anything, a buddy approaches their tank. It's very unusual for me to know something that Simon is searching to know on this <laughs> podcast, but occasionally it's just because of a mind blank. <laughs> if, uh... If a human approaches their tank now, they disappear. So the aquarium wants to keep these eels habituated to human presences, and so they've set up some computers. They've set up a Zoom and... call. Yes. <laughs> you can go and see these eels live and help try and keep them used to humans. I did see a headline uh, the other day about how zoo animals are lonely now that they have no visitors. 
Oh. So it may not just be it's eels. It's probably the same kind of thing. I think we could probably just make it better and stick these eels onto like, I don't know, chat roulette or something. But then, then all the eels will probably just see, think they're seeing lots of other eels. <laughs> you obviously have a very different experience of chat roulette than I do. I've uh, no experience I mean, of chat roulette. I'm of aware us, of Neither it. of us have ever been on it. Obviously, we only know about it through watching other comedians stand up sets. <laughs> eels on chat roulette. Where do we go from here? That's the question. I want to talk about, maybe not eels, but lizards, actually, because we need to go through some of the stuff from what Steve Bagshaw was talking about on last week's episode about regeneration. Because it, yeah. it caused me to, I, I was very interested in how many different creatures can regenerate. And so I looked up what can regenerate, and we talked about planaria worms, and we talked about sponges, and there was some suggestion that if you sieve a sponge, it will still regenerate from its tiny pieces. Well, the, the thing that's really, really cool about sponges is that they actually take it to one level further. Not only can they regenerate, they can reorganize and gather up those cells again. So it's a bit like, and I know this is a very 80s slash 90s reference, if you remember the T-1000 from Terminator 2, the way that it was liquid metal and it could sort of go through the bars of a cage and join up again? Oh, it does that. Yeah. Great. Sponges are Terminators. Love it. I always thought there was something dodgy about my bath loofah. Would a loofah be a... Uh, a loofah? <laughs> Loofahs don't be A loofah is not a sponge. <laughs> is it? That is a... A, a loofah is taxonomy sort of issue going on with that joke well this this is no no the real reason why luffy is not a not a sponge is because it's actually a cucumber have i got that right ah well that's interesting you should say that because sea cucumbers are also regenerating but sea cucumbers are not cucumbers they're loofers are they no (laughs) (laughs) no they're they're kind of starfish oh okay no when i say cucumber i'm meaning like the plant Oh, you're talking. You're saying a loofah is a cucumber. Yeah, it's, well, it's, a, it's like a vegetable of some kind. Okay, I'm gonna check out what it is now. Yeah, cucumber family. That's exactly right. Okay, so just to because we've now confused all our listeners because of my jump. No, not from, the listeners, just you. Just this me. is all fine for us. Okay, just to just to clarify, just for myself, then what we're saying is that a loofah is a type of cucumber, and that a sea cucumber is a type of starfish. Starfish. Sort of, yeah. And the sea cucumbers and starfish are two of the different types of creature that can regenerate. Well, this is a tricky thing when we start talking about regeneration, because the simple answer is, in some ways, everything can. Like, it's just a form of growth. Yeah, but a starfish can regenerate its entire body off of one arm. Yeah. So here's, here's the tricky bit, I suppose, which is there's regeneration, which amounts to something which is the kind of healing we have where if you cut yourself, the skin knows to turn into some more skin and it's kind of scar tissue. Uh, We can lose a bit of flesh, we can lose certain parts of us, and then they will regenerate fully. If you lose blood, of course, you get new blood replacing it. That kind of thing. What makes these other species special is that they seem to somehow know the rest of the body plan. Uh, If you cut off the arm of a salamander, it doesn't just scar over and make the kind of end point. It regrows the whole arm. It knows... It's like that part of the body can remember where it is enough to know what was on the other side of it. This is the pluripotent stem cell Steve was talking about. Yes, yeah, so pluripotent just means that you become become a variety of things. 
And stem cells have got this capability. They're not limited in terms of what they can make. They haven't got their, they've got the potential to become many other things. Their path is not defined. But we know, don't we, that every cell in the body has the blueprints for the rest of the body in it, in the DNA. There's some exceptions. There's a few things in your body which don't have nuclei, like uh, most of your blood cells. Okay, so your blood cells don't have nuclei, but the cells that do have nuclei have the blueprints for your entire body in them. So in theory, the instructions are there to allow us to regenerate. Yeah, the instructions are present, but there has to be something which keeps everything in line. Like what we're really looking for here is like a a strict mistress or mister which tells those cells, right, you're going to be some skin. That's all you're going to be. Don't get any dreams of being a bladder or anything like that. <laughs> know your place. Because if that doesn't happen, if, if they aren't kept in line, you end up with things a bit like, oh, there's a, a really horrible cancer called, I'm going to get the name wrong here, it's Tarantoma carcinoma. If you translate it literally, it means monster cancer. And these are cancers of stem cells, which end up like having things like heart tissue so they can beat they can move they've got teeth they've got hair they can have whole nervous systems they're just little monsters so you need something which tells your body be what it is but then you must also have some kind of mechanism or or these regenerative creatures have some mechanism of knowing okay i've been injured so switch on the bit which says that this skin cell which is next to an injury doesn't necessarily have to end up being another skin cell So it can allow it to become bone, to start making muscle, to start making the rest of the stuff. Or in the case of something like planari and that kind of weird aquatic flatworm that we talked about, practically everything. So Steve said that a planarian worm can regenerate its entire body from one three hundredth of itself. Say you were to cut it into 300 pieces, all of those. Yeah, buy one, get 300 You would get 300 planarian, planarian worms. It's yeah, It's not quite like that. And you have to be cutting in the right kind of part. And it is because I think over 50% of their body is stem cells. Like that seems to be a large part of it is that these stem cells are active all the time. Ah, so I think we're honing in here on our problem. So the human body is deficient in comparison to creatures that regenerate because it doesn't have enough stem cells. Maybe, um, because there's more more complex things than that. Like salamanders and stuff do not have that same kind of level of stem cell, but they seem to have the ability to turn normal cells into stem cells. That seems to be the critical part, maybe. Ah, okay. So we need more flexible cells that can turn into stem cells when we need them to. So the real question is, what does that involve? Is it a way of making that mistress or mister that we talked about earlier less strict? It's very strange, this analogy you've come up with. I'm, I'm thinking of like Mr. Bunbury out of Oliver Twist sort of being in charge of all of the all of the cells and ordering them hither and thither. Is that how it works? I'm glad that's what's in your head because I went like straight to leather-clad dominatrix you or always, domina- you dominator. <laughs> what, is, what is the... I, I have no idea what the gender non-specific dominatrix is. Dominator? Dom- Dominican? That's really not right. Um... <laughs> It'd be master and mistress, wouldn't it? Is there a non-binary version? I'm not sure. It's not something that I've ever thought about. I'm going to have to give this some thought as to what that would be. But I, I think 
There'll be a website out there for you, Rachel. Of course but just there will. Stick on fr- private browsing before you find out. <laughs> I'll let you know. I don't know what the gender non-specific version of of master or mistress is in a dominatrix setting, and I need some. <laughs> I need some listeners to uh, get in touch and tell us what that would be because some of them, and I'm looking at specific ones in particular, and you know who you are, need to get in touch and tell us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, all the same, this is not really helping with our analogy, but what I'm meaning is that there seems to be some genetic control which which places limitations and tells ourselves not to get out of hand. And it might be that we have to switch off those control mechanisms to enable them to become something else. The difficulty, as Steve pointed out, is that in a lot of cases, those also seem to be the same genes that are active when we have cancers. So one of the weirdest bits, one of the scariest bits about cancer cells is that they are they are born of us. You know, your cancer is not the same as my cancer, which is not the same as somebody else's cancer. It's something which evolves uniquely within us as some of our cells go rogue and say, that's it. I'm going my own way. I will be immortal. So these immortal cells kill us. It's like the ultimate irony. It's kind of like Highlander. I don't know what Highlander is. Oh, it's another, again, very specific 80s movie reference (laughs) where the immortals are all killing each other. You can kill an immortal if you remove their head. Massive spoilers there for 1980s I mean, films. It's, a, it's an absolute classic way to get rid of your problems, actually. It, that's, this is what happens in Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz. I'm going to say fuzz. I'm gonna say Hot Fuzz. That's the one with the zombie apocalypse, isn't it, with Simon Pegg? And the way to kill the zombies in that is to... Re- no, that's, no, that's Sean. Sh- oh, Sean sorry, of the Sean Dead. of the Dead. Right, that's what I'm trying to think of. So not only is it hot, not hot fuss or hot fuzz, it's Shaun of the Dead. It's the other one, because I'm thinking of the second one in the Cornetto trilogy or whatever they call it. Shaun of the Dead, the way to kill the zombies in Shaun of the Dead is to remove the head or destroy the brain. That's the case in most zombie movies. I mean, I Shaun of the that, Dead didn't come up with that. That would, that would kill most things, wouldn't it? Yeah, which is actually another one of the questions which is interesting here. Like, if these planarians... And these salamanders are so invincible. Why are they not everywhere? 
I suppose because they can only live in certain environments and also because you've got big hairy brutes like us smashing up their habitats, haven't we? Yeah. And yeah, that's I suppose the, the whole key here is that being having certain parts of you which recover doesn't mean that all of you can. So there must be some cells which are more fundamental. And I know some salamanders can repair parts of their spine, parts of their brain, parts of their skull. I'm unaware if they can repair their heart or something like that. I'll have to do a bit more research and find out. It might be that there's still certain parts of the body which are critical. And if you think about the way they say that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, our body is only ever as strong as its weakest organ. That's true. I've also been thinking about what Kate Storrs was saying about being able to see the polarisation of light. And I've been looking out of my window because I'm not allowed out of the house, but on my state-sponsored walk and inside my house, I've been looking out of the window looking I've... for bow ties <laughs> in the sky and I cannot see any evidence that I am one of the chosen people who can see the polarisation of light. Have you done any better? I have not even tried. I just love your phrase there, state-sponsored walk. I'm imagining you going up to number 10 with a little sheet of paper knocking on the door and saying, will you give me 5p per mile? Maybe maybe when I say state-sponsored, I actually mean state-sanctioned. I think that's what I meant to say. <laughs> My states... I mean, we're, we're both going completely mad at this point. There's really no getting around it. We both need to see more people and speak to more humans, preferably ones that are not under the age of 10. I'm fine. I've been chatting with some eels. Have you been? Have you checked in with the eels? Yeah, they're still there. So you have been Yeah, there wasn't them. much conversation. Okay. Well, we, we didn't talk any much because they, they're Japanese after all, so we don't speak the same language. Fair. <laughs> yeah, this I has mean, got very silly, Rachel. If, you, if, if your only company is some Japanese eels and your kids and your missus, obviously, and... I would choose the eels every time is that what you're suggesting <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying what you would choose every time i'm just saying if this is the selection of and then then you've got me to talk to once a week and that's it one of the things that seems to be surprising is that there's not necessarily one route to regeneration so another thing which has come up in the podcast before is we've talked about the immortal jellyfish which uses its kind of pluripotency this ability to become lots of different cells as a stress test and if it's a well, the first thing we have to remember is jellyfish, they come in kind of two forms. They start off as these little polyps and then they, they grow up to be medusa. That's the version that we, we all know and love. Does anyone love a jellyfish? Anyway, um, well, if we, if we can imagine that, if this jellyfish is put under stress, it kind of reverts to its polyp form and it can change all of its cells back to that kind of infantile state. So they've got that potential to grow up to become whole other new medusa. So it oscillates. It goes from old to young, old to young, old to young. And that's effectively regeneration, but by a completely different mechanism. Regeneration in some ways must be relatively simple because it must be related to growth. It's just making it make sense. Like the potential must be within us somehow. But uh, It actually makes a fair amount of sense to be able to have a limb chopped off and regenerate it, but to, but to regress into infantile form is is an extraordinary thing to be able to do. Can you imagine if you had, like, something scared you and you woke up at the next day at the age of six and then you had to go into work and say, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm, like, I'm clearly not, not myself today, but what happened was that this this person 
jump scared me in my kitchen and and gave me a terrible shock and my heart was I had heart palpitations and then I woke up this morning and here I am at the age of six and then do you then have to age naturally back to your normal age before you can carry on your job as an account executive at an advertising company I mean how does this how does this work what you've just described still sounds better than the film Benjamin Button the reasons Medusa are doing this are the key. So that if you're basically, if you're under stress, maybe the things that you need to survive as an adult are very different than you need to survive as a polyp. Ah, you know? yes. The polyps are teeny tiny. And it also means defectively like a last ditch attempt of reproduction because you're not just turning, you're not just turning yourself back into that polyp. You're turning all those cells, all those different parts of you into polyps. So it's kind of like, ah, I'm panicked. I'm going to reduce my needs and I'm going to turn loads of bits of me into different clones. I feel like this all the time, to be honest. I think it's something we could do with. I think it might be quite useful if you're having a difficult time for you to physically look like a much younger version of yourself. You'll also have the clones. So what it'll be is, uh, someone's frightened, Rachel. Now we've got three of them <laughs> and they're toddlers. <laughs> Maybe that's how my kids actually happened. A lot of the last 10 years is a bit of a blur and I can't be sure that that's not actually what happened interesting if we could regenerate organs would we extend our lifespan and if so by how much well the, the simple answer is yes regenerating our own organs will mm. and potentially sort of forever again this doesn't necessarily make us invulnerable so if you think of things whether the kind of current accident rate or the things which can come along and kill us even being biologically immortal does not mean that you live forever because eventually you'll do something stupid. Or, of course, again, what we have to acknowledge is that we're in a world where things are out to get us. That is nature's way. So just because we have the ability to repair doesn't mean that, say, something nasty, like be it a flu or an articulated lorry, isn't going to change it. Yes. So we're not going to live forever because something will happen eventually, but it might mean that we can live for maybe five times as long. Yeah. And if you're careful, even longer. Which would I'm be never going outside again. great for you, who genuinely wants to live forever, for who knows what reason, and terrible for me, who can't wait for the end. <laughs> That's a joke I've stolen off Holly Walsh, who said it on the podcast she was on. So I shouldn't have done that. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe we should ask the question of, one of the main areas of research for this seems to to be focused on things like the axolotl and the salamander family in general. What is it about salamanders and amphibians that makes them so particularly good at this? Why might they need to be able to uh, to regenerate? And I, I think I might have a kind of weird answer. And I don't know if the research has been done on this, so this is entirely unfounded. This has not been peer-reviewed. I wonder if this in any way connects to their ability to metamorphose. So whenever you go through metamorphosis, you effectively have to redesign your body plan. Mm -hmm. You can be doing things like switching ecologies. Like you've got a teeny tiny tadpole which lives all the time under the water and eats things like pondweed. And then you grow up to be a big, beautiful frog, which is massively carnivorous and eats rats or something. Who knows? So if you're going to have to this, go through this stage of, of massive change, you're switching ecology, you're switching body plan, maybe you just kind of retain that ability as life goes on. You had to reach 
six, seven months old before building an arm in the first place. Maybe you just retain that ability. That makes sense. Well, that's ideally spitballing. And it does not explain why things like some lizards can regrow certain parts. But importantly, like say those lizards that regrow their tails, they're not regrowing all their body. They're only regrowing the bit that they've had to evolve to drop for a different reason, you know, to leave something behind so a predator or a bird or something has grabbed it is no longer holding the whole lizard. I read an interesting thing about this, which is that it's not just that something's grabbed it and therefore the lizard can get away. It's also that they can drop the tail before the predator actually gets hold of it and the tail will continue to move, which will distract the predator. Ah, the movement. I didn't know that part. That's cool. Because mm. I, I knew there was something along the lines of actually, is the predator going to bother chasing the full hot dog or go for the cocktail sausage that's been left behind? Right. You know, a, a sausage in the hand is worth two in the bush, as they say. They they do. There is that popular idiom, isn't there? But, um, but yeah. yeah, no, apparently, as far as you can say, part of the reason, but uh, part of it is that the tail continues to move, which means that it looks like the predator's still locked on to the thing it was chasing in the first place, whereas actually it's hidden under a rock. That is brilliant. I, do you know, I would love that because if I could use that where like I had a tail, if I had a bum basically, which could still continue shaking, right? That would mean that I could go to a wedding, do the obligatory dancing while spending the rest of the time just reading a book. You could leave your bum to dance on the dance floor and you could go and eat cocktail sausages yeah. in, the, in the buffet table. That's entirely my plan here. <laughs> that's an excellent... I think I think that's the answer, isn't it? Of all the things we've ever come up with on yeah. Level Up Human, the, self, the self-jiving bum is, <laughs> is, is absolutely... We've excelled ourselves. Well done. So if you want some more Simon in your life, Johnny Berlin and I are still doing our pub quiz fairly regularly. Uh, look out for Universally Challenged or... Basically, follow me on Twitter and you'll see all kinds of weird things I'm doing. My handle is Simon D. Watt. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash leveluphuman, where you can join us as a tardigrade, axolotl, octopus, glass frog, sperm whale, or... Surely the sperm whale's the biggest. Naked mole rat. Is that the top one, naked mole rat? I haven't done those in order. But those are the six tiers available. Sperm whale is the is the highest tier. What is the order? Because it has to make sense in some kind of top trump style. Okay, uh, the order is tardigrade, glass frog. Just because they're tiny. Yes. Okay. Just because they're tiny, glass frog. It sort of goes upwards in. It sort of goes upwards in size, but not really. So it goes tardigrade, glass frog, octopus, axolotl, naked mole rat, sperm whale. Depending on which okay. species and which type you look at, that sort of goes up in size order. But look, I'm prepared to rearrange them. I have no shame. If you think we've missed something, or if you think that order is incorrect, or if you look at the tiers and you think these bear no relation to the rewards you're offering with them, why doesn't the naked <laughs> roll rat come with um, wrinkle-free skin? <laughs> or um, why doesn't the tardigrade come with uh, the ability to survive in the vacuum of space? Which actually I should, yeah, I should adjust them to do that. Then get in touch. You can email me directly, rach at rachelwheelie.com, or you can tweet us at leveluphuman. I think we should do it that if you're a glass frog, you get full transparency and you can see all the bits we got wrong. Yes, 
That's great. I should definitely <laughs> add comedy bullet points to the Patreon tiers. Anyway, that's enough from us. Thank you very much indeed for listening and we'll speak to you very soon. Oh, and get in touch, actually, because we still need your suggestions. While we're in lockdown and don't have a live audience, um, if you've got an idea for improving the human body, be it sincere or silly, be it stupid or fantastic, please get in touch. We're on Twitter at Level Up Human, or get in touch with Father, me and Rachel individually. It's lovely talking to you. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Physiological Society. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.